Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, we're going to discuss Suicide Prevention Month and the resources available to help our veterans. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. On September 18, 1947, President Harry Truman signed the National Security Act, effectively creating the United States Air Force as an independent armed service equal to the Army and Navy. Throughout its entire history, the Air Force has played a key role in the defense of our nation while simultaneously conducting numerous peacekeeping and humanitarian missions. By harnessing cutting-edge technology and employing dedicated airmen, the Air Force remains the world's leader in air, space, and cyberspace. Minnesota is proud to have two Air National Guard units, the 133rd Air Left Wing in the Twin Cities and the 148th Fighter Wing in Duluth. And let's not forget about our Air Reserve Brethren at the 934th Air Left Wing in the Twin Cities. On behalf of the Minnesota National Guard, please join me in wishing the Air Force a happy birthday. Aim high, fly, fight, win. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. So I said at the top of the show, we're going to talk about Suicide Prevention Month. I have two guests joining me from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. Julia Palenti is with the Suicide Prevention Program at the Minneapolis VA. She's currently the lead suicide case manager uh, and has been involved in thousands of uh, calls. Julia, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you. How You've been there for nine years. How long have you been in suicide prevention, and how did you get to this particular uh, topic? Yeah, so I have been in the suicide prevention program for the, the nine years I've been at the VA. Um, what I was noticing and, you know, prior to coming to the VA and my work in the community is that there was more intervening, I think, than there was, uh, preventing. And so, um, you know, being part of the suicide prevention program, you know, getting upstream, right. Being able to, um, to educate, you know, others within the, within the community on red flags, warning signs, resources available, should we encounter somebody in crisis? So instead of saying, we've got a problem, let's try to fix it. Let's get out in front of it and say, let's recognize if there's a problem and fix it before it becomes a full-fledged problem. Absolutely. Okay, and your partner with you today is Andrea Perry, who is a Suicide Prevention Community Engagement and Partnerships Coordinator at the VA Healthcare System. And uh, Andrea, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That's a really long title. A really long title. And we use an acronym, of course, in the VA system, CEPC. Okay. Shorten it up. We've got three rules on the show. Uh, One is no politics, two is no acronyms, and three is is a family show, so there's no cussing ladies. (laughs) So tell me, with that long title, what do you do there? Yes. So essentially, my job is to be out in the community educating everybody around our veterans, service members, and their families to look out for those signs and symptoms that Julia was hinting towards. So really, we know the majority of our veterans are out in the community. They're not coming into VA. And so we really want to make sure that people in the community know what to look for and how to help. So it says here part of what you do is help establish community suicide prevention coalitions. Yes, sir. So you're working with partners all over the state that can help identify problems and try to hit them off. You got it. That's exactly it. And even just down to the community member, someone who's passionate about suicide prevention, uh, to establish a partnership outside of VA is really imperative in our work. Well, it's great for our listeners to know that help is available, and we're going to talk about that as we go on. But, Julia, this month, September, is Suicide Prevention Month. Is there a lot going on this month? There is a lot going on this month. And can you tell us about it? Yes. 
So, well, within the VA, um, we do recognize, so this week is uh, recognized to be uh, Suicide Awareness and Prevention Week within our healthcare system. Uh, nationally, we recognize, um, you know, throughout the month of September um, as Awareness and Prevention Month. And so really wanting to focus on getting out into the community, making our, our presence known within the VA healthcare system um, so we can get the education out there. As I had mentioned previously, if we don't know the warning signs, we don't know the red flags, we're not going to see them. And so ensuring that all people are aware of the red flags and the warning signs. The majority of those who died by suicide were not seen by a mental health provider. Um, and so we want to make sure that those in all disciplines, um, the, the lay person is aware of those signs so they can intervene. So, Andrea, we've had a few tough years with the worldwide pandemic. People staying at home, they were isolated. American Legion has been on. They've been working on buddy checks to check on those those veterans that haven't been able to get out in the community. Things are loosening up now, but uh, if if you're out there trying to get ahead of it and identify veterans that might be depressed, might be thinking about suicide, uh, is is part of that process? Like we started talking about earlier, developing these coalitions and and having people just be aware of what their veterans are doing. For sure. Yeah. So I would say, you know, when we think about suicide prevention in the community, we really need that public health approach, which is to empower and enable everybody to take a role in suicide prevention. And we know because the majority of our veterans are not coming to VA that we can't do it alone. So those partnerships and those communities that the veterans are in and and interacting with every single day or you know, working at an employer uh, location, seeing their local pastor or their local bartender. Those are the people who can intervene and help us save lives and, and watch out for those signs and symptoms that they might be struggling. So as part of that message, just to let people in the community know that the VA has help available. If we find somebody having some trouble, if we can bring them in, whether it's outpatient or inpatient, we can help them deal with whatever's causing the depression, causing the suicidal thoughts, put it behind them and move on with their life. For sure. So I would say, too, if people are being served well out in the community, if our veterans find that they have a local community provider that's serving them well, that's wonderful. We're not here to recruit anybody necessarily to come to VA. We just want to make sure that people know what they're eligible for and what their you know rights are and what they've earned. And if we can serve them, we want to do that. But there are local resources as well. So there's um, crisis, mobile crisis response teams in different counties and cities. Uh, but certainly there are, you know, our VA medical centers and then our clinics uh, in all different communities in Minnesota, and we are here and ready and waiting to help people. We're speaking with the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System today about Suicide Prevention Month on Minnesota Military Radio. And Julia, I want to come to you. We've heard some numbers over the years, uh, 22 veterans uh, and per day, and, and uh, I think it's come down somewhat over the last three, four, five years. What's caused, is it true, and what's caused it? Yes, and so... Um, our current numbers would indicate that there are 20 veterans that die by suicide every single day. Now, when we notice the decrease, because there has, in fact, been a decrease, um, we attribute that, I think, to a few things. And so one of those is um, universal screening. And so what do I mean by that is where I had mentioned earlier that it is often not the mental health provider who is the receiver of the information when, when somebody is encountering a crisis, but rather maybe somebody in primary care, right, or in a different specialty type care. And so universal screening ensures that all providers, regardless of discipline, um, that they have the tools, the knowledge, the confidence and ability to assess to a screen for suicide risk so we can prevent on that front end prior to encountering crisis. 
Now, just as a follow-up to that, there there was a number for a suicide prevention hotline, but it's been updated lately. Easier to remember. 988, yes. And can you explain how that works? If, if a veteran or a family of a veteran calls 988 and they've got a problem, does that go into a central uh, call center and, and then they get, lo- get out to the, the locals to help uh, with the particular veteran? Yeah, so 988 um, is our national crisis line, and it is the same as the suicide prevention lifeline. And so with our veterans, they would press 1 when they are calling that crisis line. The calls are answered with um, at, at one of three call centers. Um, they will then, depending on where the veteran is is located, they will then filter that call out to to the VA within that uh, that veteran's community. Now, every call is answered by a by a responder who helps to de-escalate that initial crisis to assess for safety, and then from there again filter it out to their community VA. We then, in the suicide prevention program, have 24 hours to respond, to circle back, to check in, to see if there's any additional resources or support that we can provide. It was funneled back out to local support, and then you reach out and, and provide whether resources or sources are necessary to help with that particular problem. Absolutely, and that could be anything from helping, you know, and assisting to engaging in care, um, you know, to, to helping, you know, getting a mental health appointment scheduled, um, to primary care, anything that we can do, which is going to be a protective factor to suicide. So, Andrea, that was 988-PRESS-1 if you're a veteran. That is available not only to the veteran, but to the families and friends of veterans that have identified that there's some change, some problem. Maybe the veteran's more depressed. Maybe they're using more alcohol or drugs or something. What what would you say to people thinking about, I need help and I don't know where to go? Yeah, for sure. So just to yeah, be clear, for the Veterans Crisis Line, it can be for a veteran, service member, or anybody who cares for them. And the person might be in crisis, or maybe it's before the crisis. Maybe you start noticing decline in your fellow employee, and they're a veteran. Um, and so you can call that VCL crisis line before it's a crisis and say, hey, this, these are the signs and symptoms I'm noticing. What could we do? Um, and so what I would say is for in the community, um, asking the question about suicide is imperative. So if you start noticing that someone is having a decline or you are starting to be concerned about them, have a bad gut feeling, ask the question, are you thinking about killing yourself? Are you thinking about suicide? I want to be very direct. Um, there are warning signs and things to watch out for, and you can go on VCL, uh, Veterans Crisis Line, online, and there are a lot of different resources. Ladies, we have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Suicide Prevention Week with the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We're talking uh, today about Suicide Prevention Month. I have two guests, Julia Palenti and Andrea Perry from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System with me. And we've been talking about how important it is to make sure that uh, our veterans know that there are resources available. And and Julia, uh, I understand you've been involved in and handled thousands of calls. Uh, How important is it when you're talking to the veteran to try to find out What's causing the problem? Yes, I think, you know, that is the focus of our call is to hear their story and to hear what, what's going on, right? And um, what are those precipitating factors to, to the stress that they're reporting? You know, it could be anything from, you know, interpersonal relationships to, to grief, to finances, to, um, you know, to housing, right? And I think it's, it's imperative that we find out the precipitating factor, the sources of stress, because then that's going to help us um, determine which direction and what resources are going to be referred and, and recommended. So it could be just a case where a veteran maybe has some financial issues, hasn't been able to resolve it, they're getting tired of it, and they're thinking, I give up. 
or maybe it's a medical problem that they've been fighting and fighting and they're getting worn out and they say they don't see any way out of it and they think I'm going to, I I've had it. I'm done. If you can find out what the source is, then you can dig in and, and try to deal with the problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's unique about um, our program, and I think a beautiful thing about our program, is that um, we've established relationships with, you know, not only the providers within the medical center, but within, you know, with providers within our community. So we can make, you know, referrals and, you know, get recommendations and, you know, solutions happen happen rather quickly. Um, and so it's it's imperative that we hear their story to figure out what is going on and how can we best how can we best serve you. So the answer is help is available. Absolutely. The VA healthcare system knows how to provide the help, and you got to listen to the veterans and find out exactly what the problem is for that veteran before you can you don't try to put them in some preset solution. We build this around one veteran at a time. Absolutely, their story. Mm-hmm. Andrea, what about the case where you got a veteran out there and he's stubborn and he's pig-headed and he wants to do everything himself and he, he's got a problem and he's had it, doesn't want any help? What do you do with that? For sure. That is a common situation uh, and case that we have. So I would say just um, if you're in that person's life, right, however you know that person, if you have an intimate relationship and you can talk about things like mental health struggles or what their emotions might be, being present for that person, as Julia hinted to, just listening is really important. I think in the Midwest, a lot of times we want to jump in, we want to help and save, and really being present and listening is just a number one priority for someone who might be struggling. So being present, listening to how that person is feeling and maybe talking through those things is important. Um, and then I also think, again, watching out for signs. And you can mention those signs like, hey, man, you know, if you don't want to go get help, totally fine. But I have seen that you are struggling. I know you recently went through, you know, X, Y, or Z, whatever the situation is. And then saying what you notice and saying that you care about that person and you want to be able to help. I think a huge part of our community work is empowering people to know that you don't have to have a mental health degree or certification to reach out and connect to another human being. Just being present, being genuine with that person and telling them that you care about them goes a long way. Julia, do you have something to add to that? Yeah. You know, I think, um, as Andrea had mentioned, right, listening is so important. And I think sometimes, right, we have an idea about what could be helpful, but that may not be helpful for all. And so I think to really to empower that person to identify what could be helpful, you know, helpful and asking that question, what can I do to be helpful um, to see if they, in fact, have an idea? And, Andrea, you know, sometimes we have veterans that are just plain stubborn. They're not going to listen. I know that you've been trying to develop community coalitions. Are there are there other groups that, that uh, you can introduce the veteran or the ham family of the veteran to that could maybe sit down with them and try to try to help? Yeah, for sure. I think what we want to do is make sure that veterans are comfortable. Um, And I think in our veteran community, most veterans are comfortable with others like themselves um, who have maybe experienced similar situations. So connecting to other veterans in the community is imperative. And there are a lot of organizations in Minnesota, especially nonprofits and so forth, that support veterans that want to do whatever they can to help them out and connect them with their community around them. So that would be uh, a definite recommendation. Yep. So do you have access to veterans that maybe had a problem and and did work it out and did resolve it that want to come out and talk to veterans that might be just going through that? We sure do, yeah. And I think that gives a huge sense of purpose to veterans to share their story and the struggles that they've been through and the successes that they've been through because we know that suicide's preventable and that people reach out for help and that people lead successful, healthy, great lives and and go on to 
um, really succeed. So sharing that story is really imperative. So the veteran is having a new problem might be more inclined to listen to a veteran that's been there, done that, got it resolved, and and might be more willing to just sit down one-on-one and, and talk and start to get some help. You got it. We're talking about Suicide Prevention Month on Minnesota Military Radio with the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. Julia, I want to come back to you. You know, besides stubborn veterans that are out there, we see in a lot of organizations, such as the Minnesota Military Family Foundation, where military families are proud and they want to take care of things themselves. And it's not just the service members, it's the families. And and sometimes they wait too long to reach out for help. Uh, do you see a lot of this on, on the calls that you've had? They just, they're proud. They want to take care of it by themselves. Yes, and I think there's, it. I mean, it takes right significant courage, um, you know, to reach out and say that, hey, in fact, I'm, I'm struggling, right? I could use some external support. Um, I can say that it's never too late to ask for help. Um, you know, it's it might take some of us longer to get to that point where we can, you know, really get that courage, right, find that strength to reach out and say, hey, I, I need some extra support. But the resources are absolutely available. And again, right, we would love for you to identify, in fact, how we, how we can be helpful. We can share the multiple resources. But, you know, it's important, too, that you're able to identify if, in fact, there's something that we can, in fact, do to be helpful. So if there's a problem, 988-DIAL-1, ask for help, even if it's early on. And, Andrea, how do you get over that hump, whether it's stubbornness or whether it's just pride or whatever it might be? That's got to be the, the biggest obstacle. I think so. I think being genuine, just anecdotally, I, saying that you care about someone and that their life is important to you is huge. It makes a huge impact. It's really powerful. So just being genuine that you care about someone, that you want the best for them, and that you're happy to be there to help, is uh, it goes a long way. Julia, last question for you and our listeners out there, if there's a veteran or a family veteran uh, struggling with mental health issues or thoughts of suicide, uh, what can you say to them to cause them to ask for help and to let them know help is available? Mm-hmm. Mm. I wish there was one thing to say. Um, what we can say and what we'll continue to say is that that help is available, and I think that's why it's so important that we get out into the community. Um, you know, that's why Andrea's position was formed, right, as we know the majority of our veterans are not engaged in VA care. To get the services out there, they're available, but we don't know what we don't know. And so we will continue to come out into the community to make sure you're aware of the resources. But you're not alone. I know it can feel isolating. It can feel as if you're walking in these shoes by yourself. We're here. We want to help. The VA wants to help. Organizations within the community, they want to help. So for our listeners, if there's some kind of problem, call the Minneapolis VA Healthcare Center or just call 988-PRESS-1. You'll get someone on the other end that cares. They're going to talk to you about what what your problem might be. They're going to try to determine what how they can help fix whatever the cause was and they're going to help you put this behind you so you can move on with your life. Absolutely. Ladies, I want to thank you both for joining us today on Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you. Thank you. That was Julia Palenti and Andrea Perry from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System on Minnesota Military Radio. When we come back, we're going to talk to the Minnesota National Guard about Suicide Prevention Month. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. In a moment, we're going to speak with the Minnesota National Guard about Suicide Prevention Month. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, here's Interim Commissioner Brad Lindsay. 
The State Soldiers Assistance Program, also known as SSAP, was established in 1923 to serve Minnesota veterans. 100 years later, Minnesota veterans can still count on SSAP in times of need. Tens of thousands of former service members and their families have found help over the decades. The program was established in response to the needs of veterans returning home from World War I. Early on, SSAP provided basic assistance with medical treatment and for the general maintenance of disabled veterans. Since then, SSAP has grown and evolved to meet the changing needs of veterans. Today, SSAP continues to offer those services and more, including support with housing, financial assistance, education financial assistance, short-term disability, dental, and optical assistance, and disaster relief. Learn more about the benefits available through the State Soldiers Assistance Program from your county veterans service officer by calling 188-LINKVET or visiting minnesotaveteran.org slash benefits. Thank you, Commissioner Lindsay. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. As I said earlier, we're now going to talk about Suicide Prevention Awareness Month with the Minnesota National Guard. And joining me to discuss that is Army Lieutenant Colonel Jolene Carlson and Angela Erickson. Ladies, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. It's going to be here. Colonel Carson, uh, Carlson, I want to start with you. I think a few months back we had your husband on the show. Now, you're a, you're an Army Lieutenant Colonel, and he is the wing commander for the 133rd Airlift Wing. That's correct. So we are a purple household. <laughs> you are a purple household <laughs> and both working full-time to, to help our uh, soldiers and airmen of the Minnesota National Guard. And, and Angela, uh, you were you did serve in the military as a chaplain, I understand. I did, Tom, and what a privilege it was. And uh, your husband was uh, active duty Air Force? He was. Uh, he now works at Fort Snelling, laying our veterans to rest and uh, still serving. And you have a child who is a Coastie. Yeah. Uh, you know, we gave her five choices, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, and Coast Guard, and uh, she chose the Coast Guard. She took the last one and said, maybe that's safer. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the show, ladies. Uh, Colonel Carlson, I want to talk to you first. Uh, the Minnesota National Guard has uh, put together a new team uh, and stood up uh, this team that you are part of. Can you tell us why did they do that, and, and how many members are on the team, and, and what's your mission? Yeah, Tom. So we're called the Integrated Primary Prevention Workforce, and um, this is a team that was mandated and directed by Congress, so it's not just the Guard. All branches of the military have stood up a Integrated Primary Prevention Workforce, and it kind of um, stems from the fact that Despite our best efforts and all the people doing great things to help our service members, we still are struggling with harmful behaviors, and our goal is to get to zero. And so they started and wanted the focus to be even more upstream on primary prevention. So this workforce is very similar to a public, public health workforce, where our focus is to look way ahead of these harmful behaviors and at some of the risk factors that could be contributing to people being more likely to have harmful behaviors later in their careers. And if we can do that, we can hopefully prevent these things from ever happening. So in Minnesota, we have a team of 10, and this team of 10 um, got placed under and was created under a J-9 and the J-9 is integrated with other 
um, amazing resources in the Minnesota Guard, like family programs. And so our 10 people are all public health professionals working towards recognizing all of these um, upstream risk factors and then working with leadership to implement protective factors to help people before those harmful behaviors happen. We're speaking about suicide prevention, uh, which is uh, the month of September with uh, uh, the Minnesota National Guard on Minnesota Military Radio. And Angie, I want to come to you. I understand that you are a self-harm preventionist. Yes, Tom, that's right. Uh, As a self-harm preventionist, um, I I help our team focus on harmful behaviors with the goal of stopping harmful behaviors before they occur. Harmful behaviors make include sexual assault, intimate partner, domestic violence, child abuse and neglect, harassment, bullying, hazing, and suicide. On my team, uh, like uh, Lieutenant Carlson spoke about, uh, I have three peers and we all have difficult subjects that we focus on. My mission is to prevent self-harm. How do I do this? Through research, analysis, collaboration, and education. Our team is responsible for understanding the problem and implementing prevention activities that appropriately address the identified needs. We must identify emergency, emerging issues and assess the organizational climate, the values and beliefs, and quality of life to determine which prevention activities are needed. In my case, Tom, I'm looking at reducing self-harm. Self-harm may be self-cutting, drug and alcohol abuse, thoughts of suicide, self-directed, abusive thoughts, suicide attempts, and suicides. Now, Tom, something I'd like to to address is that, you know, people will suffer in silence because they're afraid to ask for help, and they don't want to be a burden to anyone. The message that we want to get across the force is that it's okay to seek help. We want to break down those stigmas about mental health. We must because every life matters. Did you know, Tom, that suicide and suicide attempts can contribute to lasting impacts on individuals, families, and communities. Studies estimate the number of individuals impacted by a single suicide attempt range from 135 to 456 individuals. I want to say that again, that 135 to 456 people could be impacted by a single suicide attempt. This is what you call a tragic ripple effect. And thankfully, our government recognizes that suicide is a public health concern that can be prevented. Colonel, I want to come to you. Uh, I remember when I was in the service uh, 50 years ago, when people came back from Vietnam, if they had combat fatigue, we called it then, not PTSD. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to report it because we didn't want it to hurt our possibility to have a career in the military. And I know that today it, it still happens, even though it shouldn't. But some people are afraid to talk about uh, sexual abuse, suicide, throttles, those type of things. But it couldn't be further from the truth. I know that the current leadership of the Minnesota National Guard has the idea that if you've got a problem, come forth, let's get some help, let's fix it, and then let's get back to work. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's 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 really true, Tom, and, and that's something that we hold very close and dear and, and always advocating that we want people to talk about it. We have plenty of resources. There's always somebody available. At our level with uh, the integrated primary prevention workforce, we really work with leaders to have those conversations. How do you gauge people to talk and, and feel comfortable talking? And a lot of times that starts with the leaders 
like actually um, doing that by example, right? Where they are open, they open the door to have those conversations. And sometimes if we can recognize some of those things that show up before the harmful behavior like self-harm and educate leaders on what those are, they can bring that back to their troops. And the conversation becomes more and more of a habit and something that we do instead of something that we occasionally do. And that's our goal. Part of the challenge for your team is to get people to understand you can come forth. You can talk about these things. You can ask for help. We'll help you get it. Get back to work. Let's get on the mission. Absolutely. We're always here to talk. Ladies, we have to take a short break. and we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, Suicide Prevention Month with the Minnesota National Guard. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been talking to uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jolene Carlson and Angie Erickson, who was a, a chaplain. Uh, when she was in the in the army, and I'm sorry, uh, uh, Angie, I'm going to still refer to you as chaplain. Once a chaplain, always a chaplain. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. But Colonel, I want to come to you. Uh, can you tell us uh, since you stood up this this new team, uh, what's the theme for this year? So around, um, as Angie mentioned, we have different preventionists. Angie is our self-harm. And because this month is um, Suicide Awareness Month, um, we really want to focus on one of those um, protective factors. So that, that's a term we use in public health. What are the things that protect people from having harm later? And the one that really resonated with us around self-harm and we know is really important is, is being connected, being connected to each other, having a purpose, being connected in the military to the people that you serve with, uh, being connected to your friends, your family, your social circle, having a spiritual connection if that's what you need. And so for us as the Integrated Primary Prevention Workforce, that is our theme this month. And Ms. Erickson can talk more about what that means. So if you're, let me follow up for a second. If you're connected to all of those groups of people and open and honest and communicating, then already you're you're preventing yourself from being in a situation where you can get depressed and overwhelmed and, and suicidal. Exactly, Tom. And to your point before, having those hard conversations or asking for help is a lot easier when you feel like you have people you can talk to. And you're comfortable with them. Exactly. Chaplain, uh, this is Suicide Prevention Month. Uh, what's going on this month? Yes, it is, Tom. September is Suicide Prevention Month. In the last few years, the Department of Defense has done an outstanding job with their, their motto, Connect to Protect. And this year, they extended the emphasis on connection. Research shows that people with meaningful social connections have, like Jolene just said, they have less stress and better sleep, better overall health that can lead to a longer life, healthier habits and behaviors, better quality of life, and a sense of belonging. Now, connection is a protective factor that I focus on because it helps reduce harmful behaviors and a healthier force. Connected people are significantly less to feel depressed, suicidal, and overwhelmed while also feeling more hopeful. We can say that connection is protection. And Colonel, I want to come back to the military situation. Uh, everybody goes to drill once a month. They go up on, on the two weeks in the summertime. There's a lot of deployments. And you're out there with your fellow soldiers or your fellow airmen. And, and they can usually tell if something's wrong. How do, you, how do you look for signs that there's a problem and then get them to the chaplains, get them to whatever resources are available? Yeah, and our and um, your previous guest did a really good job of talking about some of the the signs that happen before self harm. We focus even earlier on that, and we look for the signs of more of your like social behavior and your living. So, how are you as a community member? Because to your point, Tom, most of our service members 
are in the military very little compared to the time they spend in their communities. So engaging communities and making sure that we're watching each other and looking for changes that might seem subtle but can add up to be big things. Some examples are financial problems. Um, Another example of primary prevention could be um, uh, abuse or a history of abuse in a family. Uh, Other ones could be health issues. Um, sense of purpose or feeling like you belong. Those are all examples of things when we don't have those things, they can add up, add up, add up, and then become harmful behaviors down the road. So watch each other, not only when we're in uniform, but watch each other when we're out of uniform and engage the community. So when you're, when you're home and you're just drilling once, once a weekend, the family can probably see these changes mm-hmm. and, and you're there to help them. But if you're deployed for on the air side for months, if you're deployed on the Army side for a year, you get into that battle rhythm and, and you know what everybody's doing. So mm-hmm. it's probably pretty easy to see when somebody's having trouble. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to connection. Get to know people, have those conversations, be a friend, be a battle buddy, and that's when you can do the best work. Chaplain, we've just got a few seconds left. Uh, are you excited about this new position to help people to prevent self-harm? I'm so excited that we are, we're getting upstream, that we're getting out in front of the problems. You know, for so long we were so reactive, and now we're going to be proactive. So I'm excited about that. And from your previous experience as a chaplain, you know how to do this. Yes, thank you, Tom. And you're yes. happy. You look happy. You're smiling, <laughs> Colonel. I think you've got a great team member here. What What's better than having a chaplain on the team? We have a really, really great team, and it's just a honor to work with all these people with all the same goal of helping our service members. Well, uh, Colonel Carlson and uh, Chaplain Erickson, I wish <laughs> I'd like to thank both of you for joining us today on Minnesota Military Radio, talking about suicide prevention for our. Army and Air National Guard servicemen and women. Thank you. Thank Tom, you, Tom. What a, what a blessing. That was Lieutenant Colonel Jolene Carlson and Angie, Angela Erickson uh, from the Minnesota National Guard on Minnesota Military Radio. Joining me now is the Senior Enlisted Advisor Army, Command Sergeant Major Butch Whitehead. Sergeant Major, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me back this week. This week. Sergeant Major, uh, you're in an interesting position that in the recent past uh, really didn't exist, but it has to do with the fact that uh, Command Chief Master Sergeant Lisa, Lisa Erickson is the senior enlisted advisor for the National Guard overall, both Army and Air. Can you explain that a little bit so our listeners understand? Absolutely, Tom. You know, in the in the Minnesota National Guard, obviously everybody's aware that we have two branches. We have the Air Force and the Army. And the adjutant general gets to select the command senior enlisted leader of the overall state, uh, Minnesota National Guard. In this last selection, he selected an air command uh, command chief, and that is Command Chief uh, Master Sergeant Lisa Erickson. So when she was selected, that opened up uh, the Army that we needed a senior enlisted advisor for the Army to also help the adjutant general under, uh, be informed of what's going on, on the army side as well. So he opened up the army senior enlisted advisor as well. So in the past, when the senior uh, command senior enlisted advisor for the guard was army, then there was a similar position for the air side. That is correct. Yep, we always had these two positions, but this is the first time I think in the history of the guard that I know of that it actually flip-flopped where the Air Force is actually the command senior leader and the Army is actually the senior enlisted advisor. And I know that uh, when uh, Command uh, Chief Master Sergeant Erickson's been on, she's told me how valuable it is to have you as a partner because 
she spent all of her career on the air side, and now she's got all these Army units she has to get familiar with. I would say it's been a great relationship we have between the two of us. You know, she's taught me a lot about the Air Force uh, because the Air Force is very unique itself. You know, being a guy that served 32, almost 32 years in the Army and not knowing, you know, very little, or I should say very little about the Air Force. She's educated me a lot as well as, you know, I've helped her through, you know, some of the Army stuff. You know, one of the big roles that the uh, Command Senior Enlisted Leader does is she also is involved with our state partnership program our SPP program, and, you know, obviously in Minnesota we have uh, two wonderful countries, and that is uh, Croatia and Norway that are state partners with Minnesota National Guard. So she spends a lot of time with our foreign uh, partners as well, and when she's over there and, you know, speaking with their military, they too have a big army, so she's actually been able to work with me, and I help her kind of understand what, you know, some of these other countries are doing as well. Great opportunity you had to move uh, from Command Sergeant Major for the 34th Infantry Division over into the Senior Enlisted Advisor Army. Nice career move. It was a great career move, and I'm glad I did it. I mean, it was a big eye-opener um, as a division and having all of the um, units underneath the division and such a wide scope of things looking at, you know, the division and how many things are involved with. But then moving to the state and focusing on the state position of, you know, making sure that our policies and are, are written in the way that are truly taking care of the Minnesota Army National Guard, uh, and really focusing on how we can internally fix things in the state. It's been a great career change for me, and I've learned a lot on how to, again, continue to help our uh, our soldiers uh, in their career as well. Very busy time for you and for the Minnesota National Guard. And Sergeant Major, as we go from uh, summer into fall, you're starting a new training year. Yeah, so we just closed out a very busy year, um, and, and I'm sure you those listeners out there have heard us through the last year. We talk about modernization, uh, and that's been our big focus point here in Minnesota. Our first brigade armor, first armored brigade combat team is getting ready to uh, send some of their main equipment off because uh, we're getting new equipment coming in. So this fall, we're going to see a lot. You'll see a lot of trains coming up to uh, Camp Ripley, uh, lowering up some of our our equipment that's going to be shipped out while we get new ones coming in here in uh, late summer next year. So this coming year, our soldiers are going to be really focusing on their individual uh, soldier skills, which is great. And, you know, I like to call it, you know, as a senior leader, our soldiers are getting back to uh, getting to know the basics again. You know, as we transition out of the 20-plus year uh, deployment cycle, and we're so, you know, mobilizations are so frequent and all that, we've kind of lost some of our basic soldier skills. And I wouldn't say lost, but we need to refocus on it. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity for our soldiers to get back to the basics of what a soldier is and, you know, really helping our soldiers continue to develop in their career. Sergeant Major, with that new equipment coming and the Division Artillery at Devardi being set up, a pretty exciting time in the Minnesota Army National Guard. It's a really exciting time. And as you look across, you know, and it's been in the seat that I'm in, you know, I get a visit with a lot of, you know, all 54 states and territories across the country. And, what an honor to be the senior enlisted advisor for a great state like Minnesota because I'll tell you, our service members, as you know, we continue to modernize. There's a lot of states and a lot of units out there that are looking to Minnesota and how, we, how we're so successful and how we get after things over there because we have such great soldiers here. Our, our, our men and women that are wearing this uniform do such a great job, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of states that are constantly reaching out to us to help them with things as well. Sergeant Major, we've got less than a minute left. I know you're at the end of your career in the military. And uh, what's next for you when you, when you don't get up and uh, wear that uniform every day? You know what time it is. My time's coming really quickly here. And I'll tell you, I'm very proud of my, you know, almost 32 years of service. And uh, I am looking forward to the next chapter. You know, as I close this chapter of, you know, 
wearing this uniform and, and all the great things that the military has brought for me. Uh, I'm going to be transitioning to continuing on to that, but now helping the, service, the veterans and uh, help, vet, help veterans navigate their next chapter as well, making sure they get the uh, health care and all that. Uh, I'm going to be uh, going back to full-time with uh, Disabled American Veterans here in Minnesota, and I can't be more proud to continuing to give back to those that help me. Sergeant Major, we'll look forward to having you uh, back on the show uh, in your capacity as adjutant for the DAV in Minnesota. Looking forward to future adventures. Thank you, Tom, and thank you, everybody, for listening to a great show. Thank you, sir. That was the Senior Enlisted Advisor Army for the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Command Sergeant Major Butch Whitehead. We have one mention today. This weekend, the Minnesota Military and Veterans Museum will have a ceremonial groundbreaking on the future site of the museum just outside of Camp Ripley. Construction is expected to begin in earnest next year with an estimated opening date of early 2026. Upon completion, the museum and grounds will be the first of its kind in the nation. Private fundraising efforts continue to outfit this new facility with the galleries, classrooms, and collection spaces befitting the service of the Minnesota veterans. Living history is an important part of the museum and especially poignant as we commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Vietnam War. To learn more or donate, go to mnmilitarymuseum.org. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Julia Palenti and Andrea Perry from the Minneapolis VA, Lieutenant Colonel Jolene Carlson and Angie Erickson from the Minnesota National Guard, Command Sergeant Major Butch Whitehead, Interim Commissioner Brad Lindsay of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week as we talk about uh, programs at the Minnesota National Guard and the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at Minnesota Military. MilitaryRadio.com.